Imagine receiving an unexpected phone call and picking up the phone to learn police officers are on the other end and they have some surprising news about a loved one. Hey, Zach, your, your wife is, uh, she's being arrested this evening and charged with murder. What? This week on Killer Cases. And a tragic update out of Escambia County, Florida tonight. The body of a private investigator missing for more than a month has been found. I don't know where she where is. Where is her body at? I don't know where she is. She's dead, though. You know that? You had a young woman that was murdered. There was no question about that. She was shot in the back of the head and buried. Do you know where Taylor Wright is? Do you know if Taylor Wright's dead? Did you kill Taylor Wright? And what else did she say about finding her? Uh, that she told me they'll, they'll never find that bitch. She's gone. There will be no physical evidence showing you that Ashley MacArthur had anything to do with the death of Taylor Wright. For Vault Studios and the Law & Crime Network, I'm Brian Ross. This is Killer Cases, the podcast. As to the charge in count one, we the jury find the defendant, Ashley MacArthur. Most people who visit Pensacola, Florida, leave with good memories. It's a beautiful place. Uh, We're a place where people vacation. It's a scenic coastal city situated on the western end of the state's panhandle. We have the Pensacola Naval Air Station. Love our Blue Angels, uh, world famous for those. Uh, It's a great town, a great place to raise your family. Like all uh, cities, we do have murders, but, uh, you know, anytime a murder comes up of this nature, it certainly draws attention. In the fall of 2017, the talk of Pensacola was the murder of a woman named Taylor Wright. Uh, First name is Taylor. Last name is Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. A former police officer turned private investigator and the mother of an eight-year-old son. Wright was 33 years old when her body was found, a little over a month after she had been first reported missing. Taylor should have called me. Taylor would have called me, and she didn't. Cassandra Walter met Taylor Wright and quickly fell in love with her after Taylor moved to the area following a contentious divorce. We met um, on on an online dating app. We were in a relationship for a short period of time, but enough time to have sincere feelings and to say that I love this person, and she's told me she loved me back. It didn't take long for Cassandra, a public school administrator, to invite Taylor to move in with her. Uh, She was kind. She was outgoing. She would give you the shirt off of her back. She was full of life. She was full of energy. She had all kinds of hope, had great big giant ideas. But there were issues in Taylor Wright's life leading up to her disappearance. Her new girlfriend suspected she was using drugs and says she'd caught Taylor cheating on her. Taylor also was still fighting in court with her ex-husband, Jeff Wright, over custody of their son and over their money. I just know that Taylor didn't feel like it was equal. In violation of court orders, Taylor had withdrawn $100,000 from an account she shared with her ex-husband and asked another new Florida friend, Ashley MacArthur, to help her hide the money by putting it in Ashley's bank account. But there was a problem with that plan. It was enough money that it was quickly discovered to be missing, and the judge ordered Taylor to show up with it, meaning she either had to get the money back from Ashley or face jail time. 
So the night before Taylor went missing, we went out to eat and Taylor was just really stressed out. She was talking about how Ashley was holding on to this money that Taylor needed to get it back. And she, she felt awkward about it. She felt like something wasn't right. The next day, September 8th, 2017, Taylor Wright and Ashley MacArthur had plans to go to a bank in Pensacola to pick up the money. And we gave each other a hug and a kiss. And at that time, I'm walking out of my driveway. Ashley pulls up. I say, hey, Ash. And she's like, hey, Cassandra. And um, I said, you guys have a good day. I got in my car and I drove away. That was the last time I ever saw Taylor. What Cassandra Waller would soon learn is that Taylor and Ashley never went to the bank. Instead, Ashley called to say she and Taylor had driven out of town to go horseback riding in nearby East Milton, Florida, on a farm owned by Ashley's family. I was like, weren't you guys supposed to go to the bank? She goes, yeah, you know, Taylor's really stressed out with the divorce stuff, and she's just been really emotional today. These are the things that she's telling me. Tell her everything's fine. Like, there's, we'll, we'll get through this. Later that night, she received a text message from Taylor's number saying, I'll call you later. I'm not angry with you, and I should have called, but I just needed time to think. I'm trying to get my life organized and on track. I started getting angry and upset because here we were in a relationship. Cassandra replied with a series of messages writing, This is not okay. Right now, I don't want you at my house. You have lied again and again. I don't think we could be together. I'm thinking Taylor's telling me that she needs time to herself and she's not including her partner and that hurt my feelings. As days and nights went by without word from Taylor, Cassandra wavered between being worried that something bad had happened and then angry Taylor might have moved on or left her for someone else. I sent her texts, I tried calling her, nothing, no responses, nothing. The text grew less angry, more concerned, more loving. One reads, Taylor, please come home. Just know that you are loved. But still, nothing in response. So Cassandra reported Taylor missing. Very early on, we treated it as if it were a homicide. Richard Gigliotti had just been promoted to detective with the Pensacola Police Department when he and fellow detective Chad Wilhite were handed the Taylor Wright case. First thing we did with this case was contacted Cassandra Waller. They, there was a time they came to my house, and at one point, they, Detective Gigliotti crawled under my house. So I'm sitting on the front porch with Detective Wilhite bawling my eyes out because this is embarrassing. Why am I being looked at? Embarrassing as it might have been, this was only the start of a conversation, one that would continue in an interrogation room. My intention right now is not to arrest you for anything. Um, I'm trying to find out why your so, girlfriend's disappeared. And here I am in this room that they would use to interrogate people, and it's it's padded walls. It's a place you don't want to be. I can't help but be scared that I'm going to get in trouble for something that I didn't know Throughout the interview, Detective Wilhite keeps up the pressure. She's in her inner circle. She's her girlfriend. So she needs to be pressured as well during the interview to gauge her reaction, see how honest she's being with us. Those questions do got to be asked. If you knew who harmed her, would you tell us? Absolutely. If she was dead right now and you knew, would you tell us? I don't know. Did you help her? They asked me if I killed Taylor. And I, 
I lost it. As it turns out, Cassandra Waller wasn't the only person these two detectives wanted to interview. They also bring in the last person known to have seen Taylor alive, her friend, Ashley MacArthur. So let's start that day from the beginning. During her interview with the same pair of detectives, Ashley says she doubts any harm had come to Taylor Wright, offering some alternative suggestions, chatting with Detective Gigliotti. She wanted to appear as she as though she was cooperative, right? And she wanted she didn't want to um, deny anything that we asked. She wanted to seem cooperative. She tells the detectives Taylor might just be off on a drug binge. The only thing I worry about is with the drug situation. Like, I wouldn't even... If I didn't know about the drug situation, I wouldn't be worried about her. I would say Taylor's doing what Taylor does. But then that lifestyle becomes a different group of people. Sure. Which is what I worry about with her. Sure. And we don't know that she ever had intentions on leaving... Maybe she wanted to go have fun, and then someone found her with a bag full of cash. By this point, the detectives had already spoken with Cassandra, so they know all about the money Taylor had given to Ashley. Cassandra's understanding was was that this money was in a safety deposit box of Ashley MacArthur's uh, at Wells Fargo. So when Ashley was asked about a safety deposit box at Wells Fargo, she said that there was nothing. Have you ever had a safety deposit box there? No. There was no safety deposit box. There was no account at Wells Fargo with money. That that was... That didn't happen. But Taylor's text conversations with Ashley suggest Taylor thought her money was at the Wells Fargo. Talking about meeting at the WF, likely being the Wells Fargo, needing to get there, needing to get the money. Those messages continued right up until Taylor's disappearance. On September 7th, the day before she went missing, she messaged Ashley at 2.57 p.m. saying, please don't be late. They're going to put me in jail if I don't make that deposit today. Then, three minutes later, we only have two more hours to get to the bank. You almost ready? Clearly, that was a problem. In her interview with Detectives Gigliotti and Wilhite, Ashley doesn't deny meeting up with Taylor, but tells them they were out of the city. We spent time driving the route that Ashley MacArthur gave us as they took, uh, looking for surveillance footage. And they found what they were looking for surveillance video of Ashley and Taylor at a gas station outside Pensacola, where Ashley says they stopped to buy Taylor a beer around 10 in the morning. Have you ever seen her drinking at that time of day with me? Yeah. That was odd yeah. behavior. And in fact, I said something to her. I was like, beer at this time of the morning? She was well, like, well, it's five o'clock somewhere. I'm like... <laughs> It's a perfect response. From there, Ashley tells the detectives the same story she told Cassandra, that she and Taylor headed out to her family's horse farm in East Milton. So we just drove out there, and she was just going off steam, I guess, and drinking beer, and we were just hanging out. She was a strange girl. <laughs> Ashley claims they then drove back from East Milton to Ashley's home, and that Taylor called an Uber and left on her own. She was fine. She just said that she wanted to go have a beer and that she was going to get an Uber to take her to go have a beer. But what the detectives would soon discover is that Ashley's story had some major holes. When we contacted Uber, Taylor's account hadn't been used in months.
something was definitely wrong. After going more than a month without hearing from Taylor Wright, Cassandra Walter was increasingly desperate to find out where she was, what might have happened to her. Nobody's reached back out to me. I still haven't heard from her. Nobody's heard from her. So I'm, I'm calling hospitals in Louisiana, in Mississippi, in Alabama. Meanwhile, Ashley MacArthur was busy calling the detectives to offer suggestions as to where she thought Taylor Wright might be hiding. Good how are you? Um, well, how are you? All the while, unaware that she had become their prime suspect. Got back on the cocaine, you know, do we need to, like, you know, look in alleys, you know, for her? She's definitely curious on what we're doing and where we're at. She's definitely fishing for information, uh, but uh, we didn't want to tip her off. Um, I was just calling to see if there was any update or anything going on. Or... And so, on a regular basis, she would call me. And I had to, of course, be friendly with her. I hate to bother you, but I checked. All right, thanks, Ashley. I couldn't answer the phone, surely, and say, yeah, so, you know, we'll be arresting you here shortly. Uh, you just wait. Detectives Chad Wilhite and Richard Gigliotti continued gathering evidence, including surveillance footage from banks, showing Ashley MacArthur depositing checks that appeared to be signed by Taylor Wright. But they say the turning point in their investigation came when they got their hands on records from cell phone towers. Your cell phone's always communicating with a cell tower. And um, the cell phone companies know exactly which tower is communicating with. According to Detective Wilhite, the data showed that the timeline Ashley had given them, her version of events, it wasn't possible. And when we got that information, that's when we really found out, okay, Ashley and Taylor never went out to this East Milton farm family farm that Ashley was saying they went out to where they were supposedly riding horses. We knew right away, very big deal. The farm in East Milton is northeast of Pensacola, one county over. But the tower record showed Ashley on that day about 30 miles away, northwest of Pensacola. And what is she doing up there? Um, Detective Alverson and I, um, had a, she had a great idea of, let's check the property appraiser's website. And we typed in, Ashley's maiden name, which is Britt, and it popped up the first uh, property record search found 2201 Britt Road. And lo and behold, it was uh, in the cell phone tower data information that we were receiving. It was right in the middle of all that data. It was a good moment. We're like, okay, we're getting somewhere. And at, at that point, were you pretty sure she was the one? Oh, certainly. Certainly. We had cell towers of her lying. We had the bank records, her depositing the money, and, and we have. Uh, surveillance footage from banks showing her depositing Taylor Wright's checks. Checks that are signed Taylor Wright, but it's not Taylor Wright's signatures. They're not her handwriting. The detectives decided they'd better keep a tight lid on their suspicions. It turns out Ashley's husband was a former county sheriff's deputy and still close to people in law enforcement. In fact, we didn't tell many people here that Ashley was suspect in the case because we didn't know who what ties she had with people but as their suspicions grew stronger they eventually decided it was time to bring ashley back in for another round of questioning hi how you been doing you know we've turned up some things that we don't we don't really know what to think at this point for the detectives the pressure was on they knew this might be their last chance to question Ashley face-to-face. -face. We knew this was going to be our last interview because at that point, 
we knew all the search, the three simultaneous search warrants were going on at her house, at the farm, and at her family business. So before we ask you any questions, you must understand your rights. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say against you can be used against you in court. Where the first interview had been relatively friendly, this one would prove more combative. I don't have a problem confronting people with um, what I know is a lie. Someone has to play that role. Playing that role from the start. Detective Wilhite doesn't wait long to bring up the cell phone tower data. You have the ability to plot all your phone calls for that day. But when we started plotting all the phone calls that you and Taylor were making that day, um, there were some discrepancies in what you had told us. Okay. Okay. Um, we know that you didn't go to Milton when you said you went to Milton. Not when you say you went there. You went that evening. Next, they bring up that surveillance footage they'd obtained. Footage showing Ashley depositing checks signed using the name Taylor Wright. They ask if she recognizes the signature. Then if she might have written Taylor's name on the checks. Do you know whose signature that is? Taylor's name, but it doesn't really look like her signature. Would you have maybe wrote her name on there by chance? And then finally, they ask what happened at that property on Britt Road in the northwest part of the county, a farm where Ashley eventually tells the detectives they went to pick up some of Taylor's belongings, a lockbox. What were y'all doing out there at this farm? So we know y'all were there. We picked up some um, stuff that Taylor had there that we had. Uh, she seemed to get really closed off, I would say, um, kind of turning away. I think she crosses her arms and her legs, if I remember correctly. I think I actually reach over and try to break that defense down. Video of the interview shows Detective Wilhite sliding Ashley's chair back from the table. So you can tell she was definitely uncomfortable at that point. The detectives continue to press Ashley on this detail. This trip to the farm on Britt Road that she neglected to mention during their first interview. What was going through your mind at that time? What do you mean? What were you thinking about? Mm, I don't think no. Asked what was going through her mind at the time, Ashley responds, it was just a regular day. Detective Wilhite gets a little more direct, asking where Taylor is at. Where is Taylor at? I don't know. You need to tell us where she's at. I don't know where she is. I don't have a clue. So you're the only one that was with her on this day at this farm that you did not disclose to us? I didn't do anything to her. You say this. If she's at that farm, we're going to find her because we're executing a search warrant out there right now. That's fine, but she's not going to be there. Then where is she at? I don't know where she is. Where is her body at? She had two options, either tell us what took place out there or ask to speak to an attorney and terminate the interview. Tell us what happened. I think at this point I need an attorney. 
The detectives had no choice but to let Ashley MacArthur leave the police station. But at the same time as the interview was taking place, a search was going on at the Britt Road farm. About an hour or two after she walked out of this department, uh, we, I was on the phone with one of the supervisors out on the uh, Britt Road property, and uh, someone yelled in the background that they had a, a skull. I had no question in, I think, either of our minds that this was most certainly going to be Taylor Wright's remains. Just as the detectives suspected, the body found buried in a shallow grave at the Britt Road family farm, covered with concrete and potting soil, would soon be identified as Taylor Wright. And a tragic update out of Escambia County, Florida tonight. The body of a private investigator missing for more than a month has been found. Ashley MacArthur was taken into custody, and her husband, Zach, soon received a startling phone call. Hey, Zach, your, your wife is... Uh, She's being arrested this evening and charged with murder. What? For the record, we're here on the state of Florida versus Ashley MacArthur. Defendant is present with counsel assistant. State attorney is present. In late August of 2019, nearly two years after Taylor Wright's body was found buried on Ashley MacArthur's family farm, Ashley stands trial for Taylor Wright's murder. And once again, the Law and Crime Network has picked a phenomenal trial, Florida versus Ashley MacArthur. There's cameras here. There's camera over there. There's microphone. This has nothing to do with you. If anyone has to sit up straight, it's me. If anyone has to put on lipstick, it's me. This is a criminal case. The defendant is charged with first-degree premeditated murder. I think I've covered everything. I think of Ms. Jensen. I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the court. Um, what you will see at the end. Bridget Jensen, chief of the homicide unit in the Escambia County District Attorney's Office, is there to prosecute the case. I think one of the most difficult things to overcome was Ashley herself. She was this very small, very pretty, kind of meek, quiet-spoken female who'd never been in trouble. Um, so from the outside looking in, no one would think that she would do something like this. And really what you will see in the end is that Ashley MacArthur had the motive to kill Taylor Wright, money. She had the opportunity to kill Taylor Wright, she did, in fact, kill Taylor Wright, and then she tried to cover it up. But to get to that ending, we have to start at the beginning. Jensen's opening statement makes it clear what the prosecution is going to argue this case is all about. Money. Taylor Wright withdrew $100,000 from the bank when she wasn't supposed to. And then she was trying to hide that money from her ex-husband. And she also asked her friend this defendant, Ashley MacArthur, to help hide the money. You will see the pressure that Taylor Wright was putting on Ashley MacArthur to get this money. And the reason that matters is because the money was gone. Ashley MacArthur had spent it. Friday, September 8th, 2017, is the last day that Taylor Wright is known to be alive. She was with this defendant, Ashley MacArthur, and they were supposed to be going to the bank. Taylor Wright was never seen alive again. 
On the other side of the courtroom, Ashley MacArthur is represented by a father and son team of lawyers, Barry and John Barrisett. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, as you, as you sit through this case, you John Barrisett delivers the opening statement for the defense. There will be no physical evidence introduced in this trial showing you that Ashley MacArthur had anything to do with the death of Taylor Wright. The evidence isn't there. There's reasonable doubt in this case. And that's what I was trying to convey to them in the opening statement. There will be no eyewitness testimony introduced into evidence showing you that Ashley MacArthur had anything to do with the death of Taylor Wright. There will be no murder weapon introduced into evidence that has any connection to Ashley MacArthur. The first witness called by the prosecution is Taylor Wright's ex-husband, Jeff Wright, once considered a possible suspect early on in the case. Were you and Taylor legally divorced? Yes. Essentially had to clear him. And I think if the jury didn't hear from him, it would be um, probably a weakness for the state's case. Mr. Wright, did you reach out to Ashley MacArthur on Facebook? I did. And did you ask her um, if she maybe knew where Taylor was? I did. And what res what responses did she give you? She said that she had last seen Taylor with two backpacks, um, significant amount of money, that Taylor was nervous about the upcoming trial. The defense uses Jeff Wright's testimony as an opportunity to raise the question of whether he had a motive to harm Taylor Wright. Fair to say that Taylor Wright was making it very, very difficult for you to get this money back. That is correct. Here's defense attorney Barry Barrison. She had antagonized a lot of people, and especially over the divorce and the money uh, issues with her husband. But even as they go down this path at trial, MacArthur's lawyers know that police had established Jeff Wright's whereabouts hundreds of miles away in North Carolina, and they know better than to accuse Jeff Wright of murder outright. Yeah, we can't lose credibility with the jury. We can't make it so incredible that they don't believe us. Jeff Wright is just one of many witnesses the prosecution plans on calling to testify. On day two of the trial, they call Taylor Wright's girlfriend, Cassandra Waller, to the stand. Now, do you see Ashley MacArthur in the courtroom today? I do. Can you please point to her and identify what she's wearing? She's right here. She's wearing a black outfit. And then I looked at Ashley. Ashley never looked at me. Ashley was always looking down at her scribble pad. Let the record reflect this witness has identified the defendant. The prosecution asked Cassandra about the checks signed in her girlfriend's name. During the course of your relationship with Taylor Wright, did you ever have an opportunity to see her handwriting? Yes. Did she write you letters? Yes. Did she give you cards? Yes. Were you familiar with her handwriting and her signature? Yes. Again, I'm showing you State's Exhibit number 26. Does that look like Taylor Wright's handwriting? That is not Taylor's handwriting. Or her signature? Or her signature. On cross-examination, Cassandra Waller concedes that she never saw any evidence of threats by Ashley MacArthur against Taylor Wright. In all the times that you saw Ashley MacArthur and Taylor Wright together, um, you never heard, saw anything to indicate to you that Ashley MacArthur was threatening to harm Taylor Wright, causing her, you know, going to cause her any physical harm, anything like that? No. And no indication that, that Taylor Wright was scared of or anything like that? No. The defense then raises questions about Cassandra's own relationship with Taylor, citing the text she had sent to Taylor on the day she went missing. As those text messages show, you called her a liar? I did. 
You called her a drug user? I did. What I was trying to point out is that Taylor had a somewhat volatile life. Going back to late July uh, 2017, you indicated to us that you received information that Taylor was having some sort of relationship with another woman over in Mississippi, correct? Yes. She had the secret girlfriend in Mississippi. She was known to use drugs. Just because you don't hear from her on September 8th or 9th doesn't mean she was murdered at that point. That was the point I was trying to make with Cassandra. It's, it's got to be clear as day that I have nothing to do with this. And the, the fact that they still played the, it, that I could have possibly been somebody for the jury, that could have ruined my reputation, my professional career. They'll throw anything and everything out there. That's not okay. A string of additional witnesses, including friends and a bartender, would testify that Ashley was out at a bar called Babes the night before Taylor disappeared, and that she talked about killing Taylor using some cocaine she had just purchased. First up was Audrey Warner Potts, a friend of Ashley's. Did Ashley tell you, either before, during, or after you went to Babes, what she was going to do with the cocaine? She said that she was going to put it in Taylor's beard. Did you ask Ashley what she did with the cocaine? That she put it in her beer and Taylor spit it out because she said it tasted sour. Then another friend, Jessica Wheeler, takes the stand. What did you hear Ashley say? Um, that this world would be better if Taylor wasn't here and that she wasn't a good person. A third friend, Alexis Cook, also testifies about having similar conversations with Ashley. Because one time she said that she's too small to hurt anybody, she'd just shoot them. The prosecution's case depends heavily on establishing a motive. And they allege she could not give back Taylor Wright's money because she had already spent it on a man with whom she was having an extramarital affair, a bar owner named Brandon Beattie, who soon finds himself on the stand. At some point, did you and Ms. MacArthur start a sexual relationship? Yes, ma'am. So I was able to trace $30,000 in cash that Ashley had used to buy her boyfriend a boat. And as BD testifies, it wasn't only the boat. Was she paying the Gulf Power bill at Sticks? She did a couple times. Um, was she buying supplies at Sam's Club for your business? Yes, ma'am, she did. Okay. In approximately August of 2017, did she buy your motorcycle? I'm not sure that I, yes, she did purchase a motorcycle. Okay. That purchase, as it turns out, was made a few weeks before Taylor Wright went missing. How much and how often was Ashley MacArthur spending money on you? Uh, I'm sorry? Um, I, I don't know how to answer that, to be honest with you. Okay. Pretty um, regular. And um, what did she say about her friend being missing? Uh, the, the police had took her phone or she told me that the, her, the girl had ran off with her husband's money or something and just like just gone. Okay. And what else did she say about finding her? Uh, that she told me they'll, they'll never find that bitch. She's gone. Day three of the trial would bring its own surprises. Hurricane Dorian, now a Category 2 storm, strengthening this morning, threatening to hit Florida as a major Category 4 hurricane. As things get going, Pensacola is under a hurricane watch. Showing Dorian on the move, you see it right there, making its way through the Atlantic. As you can see, this storm is just getting bigger and bigger. 
And inside the courthouse, Judge Jan Shackelford urges the lawyers to speed things up. So what I read in the most recent update was alarming. But prosecutor Bridget Jensen is intent on playing the interrogations of Ashley MacArthur in full. About six hours of questioning in total. I think that was important because the jury gets to see Ashley MacArthur. I wouldn't think so. Like, I don't, I don't believe Taylor's been harmed. I just, I think Taylor's doing what Taylor does. If you looked at the first interview, uh, Ashley was almost kind of flirty, maybe a little playful with law enforcement. Has she ever come on to you or? Taylor asked me one time if I would have a threesome with her and some guy. And I'm like, no, thank you. And the second interview, her demeanor was was so different. I think she knew at that point, um, you know, she was probably caught. So you're the only one that was with her on this day at this farm that you did not disclose to us? I didn't do anything. She's at that farm. We're going to find her because we're executing a search warrant out there right now. That's fine, but she's not going to be there. So it was good, I think, for the jury to see um, that she had lied and she got caught up in her lies and, and couldn't come up with excuses fast enough. Then where is she at? I don't know where she where is. Where is her body at? I don't know where she is. She's dead, though. John Barrisett, one of the defense attorneys, admits the interrogation tapes made things difficult for the defense. You know, uh, this is a perfect example of when you talk to law enforcement too much, whether you're guilty or innocent, it's going to come back and hurt you. As the witnesses keep coming, the father and son team of defense lawyers can do little to challenge much of the prosecution's other evidence either. The gruesome photos of Taylor Wright's body wrapped in a hammock in a shallow grave a bullet hole in the back of her head. Testimony about the cell phone towers that put Ashley MacArthur near the crime scene. You have in the cell phone records, the maps that were put into evidence, cell tower near the Britt Road farm at 12, 10 p.m. The forged signature on Taylor's cashier's check deposited in Ashley MacArthur's bank account. Taylor is missing and she is still depositing Taylor's money. And the suspicious text messages from Taylor's phone after she was likely dead. But then a video that the prosecution hoped would help clinch the case gives the defense a surprise opening. Surveillance video from a Home Depot of Ashley MacArthur buying concrete and potting soil the day after Taylor went missing. A store clerk named Devante Sims had helped her make the purchase. I was walking through the store and asked her, did she need help? What was she looking for? A uh, type of concrete. What type of concrete? Uh, she's, she just said she was, <clears throat> sorry, okay. uh, like a facetting concrete. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? A facetting concrete. But looking at the crime scene photos, Sims testifies the textured rocky concrete on Taylor Wright's body appears to be different than the concrete Ashley MacArthur bought. <laughs> Uh, no, ma'am. It's, uh, like, uh, fine dust. Is that, is it, like, rocky? No, ma'am. What's it say? No, ma'am. The defense is jubilant. I leaned back and made a comment to my dad. The comment was just boom, like I was happy. You know, and I'm sure you can get the photographs. He said the concrete that Miss MacArthur bought was very fine like dust. The concrete on top of Taylor Wright's body was very pebbly rock. You could see rocks in it. It was not fine like dust. On day four of the trial, 
the defense sets out to convince the jury that Ashley MacArthur would not have been able to lift a 50-pound bag of concrete, let alone Taylor Wright's body, because of a back injury she suffered eight years earlier. They call Ashley's mother, Rhonda Britt, to testify about the injury. See her ever lift any heavy objects? No, she tried not to because um, it hurt her back. Have you ever seen her lift anything like a 50-pound concrete bag or anything that heavy? No. And is that to this day? Yes. Prosecutor Bridget Jensen isn't thrown off by the argument. I think it definitely was hard to picture how this little girl could move a dead body. But at the same time, Taylor was not a big girl either. I think where there's a will, there's a way. In the end, the defense's argument rests largely on a lack of direct evidence. There were no fingerprints or DNA tying Ashley MacArthur to the crime scene. When you were here, you were the lead investigator for the Escambia County Sheriff's Department on this investigation, is that correct? Yes. As far as physical evidence or forensic evidence, you never found any physical or forensic or trace evidence that linked Ashley MacArthur to the homicide? I did not know, sir. After a long week of testimony, Bridget Jensen delivers the state's closing argument. It is the state's job to give you everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. And you heard some very unflattering information about Taylor Wright. And you may not like some of what you heard about Taylor Wright. But in this trial, she is the victim. So let's not forget that she was the 33-year-old mother of a child, and she was a human being. And our laws in the great state of Florida do not classify human beings. So her life means no less than anyone else's. And this woman sat there hour after hour in those interviews. You saw her calm, cool, collected, not one ounce of sadness or concern or worry for her friend that was missing. She was so forthcoming about all the bad things that Taylor did, but you know what she wasn't forthcoming about? Those deposits of Taylor's money that she made and that property on Britt Road. And why? because as she sat there giggling and laughing and joking with law enforcement on September 18th, she knew that Taylor was out there on Britt Road because that's where she murdered her and that's where she tried to cover up her body. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashley MacArthur had the motive. Ashley MacArthur had the opportunity. Ashley MacArthur murdered Taylor Wright and then she tried to cover it up with lies, concrete, and potting soil. Then it's time for the defense to speak one last time. We're here about a murder case, the most serious crime you can be charged with. She is not charged with stealing any money. She's not charged with lying. She's not charged with being unfaithful. She's not on trial for anything other than first-degree murder. They've got to prove that the crime occurred, and they don't have any physical evidence. They have none. There's no DNA linking Miss MacArthur to Taylor Wright's death. There's no trace or scientific evidence linking her. You've seen enough on television. You see what happens when somebody's traumatized. 
if they've done something, if they killed somebody, or if they've seen somebody kill somebody, you just don't turn that on and off. There's nothing to indicate anything in her demeanor through these videos that they've got that they put in, or her clothing or her dishevelment that indicates that she was killing somebody or dragging somebody's body around. There's nothing there. And that's strong evidence, physical evidence that you can see, not something that the state is suggesting. Here's the kicker, and on the concrete, you have photographs. She put one of them up on the screen, a big one, and you saw the concrete. That concrete was rough concrete. It is not the concrete that she purchased. When you consider the evidence and the burden that the state has, I ask you to do your duty in this case because there is a reasonable doubt, and I ask you to return a verdict of not guilty of Ms. MacArthur. The case is handed off to the jury, leaving 12 men and women to decide Ashley MacArthur's fate. All right, we're back on the record, State of Florida versus Ashley MacArthur. My understanding is we have a verdict. They were out, I think, four hours, and you never know. You never know. That seems like an eternity while you're waiting. It's 12 people. Um, you know, it only takes one person to, to find a hole that, you know, that they don't think she's guilty. Let me talk to everybody in the audience. Somebody out there is going to be unhappy. I don't know what the verdict is. I know there are some family members and friends for Ms. MacArthur and presume that there are family members and friends for Taylor Wright. One of them being Taylor's girlfriend, Cassandra Waller. I was in the courtroom. I am like two pews right behind Ashley. So the jury came in and there was a lot of unknown. What's gonna happen, what's gonna be said. And this judge, she, she talked about making sure that everybody was gonna control their emotions when the verdict was read. And, and I was afraid. I, I had no clue what was gonna happen at all. Mr. Faust, were y'all able to reach a verdict? Yes, sir. Okay, all I want you to do is to hand it to court security, okay? I'm gonna hand it to the clerk to publish. Yes. In the circuit court in and for Escambia County, Florida, State of Florida versus Ashley Britt MacArthur, case number 1717CF005844A, verdict as to the charge in count one, we, we the jury find the defendant Ashley MacArthur guilty of first degree premeditated murder with a firearm as charged in the indictment. So see we all. David A. Faust, four-person, dated August 30th, 2019. Guilty. So I was trying to fight back all, all the tears and all the emotions and everything that I had been through. Following the verdict, the judge doesn't wait long to hand down a sentence. So we knew that if she's convicted, the judge was going to sentence her right away, which the judge, judge did. I need all of you to stand. And Ms. MacArthur, I'm going to ask you one question. Raise your right hand. Do you swear or affirm the testimony you're about to give will be the truth? If so, say I do. Okay. Ms. MacArthur, I want to make sure that I ask you personally, do you want to say anything to the court? Okay. All right. Then, Ashley MacArthur, having been found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt by a jury of your peers of first-degree premeditated murder with a firearm, I am going to adjudicate you guilty. I'm going to sentence you to life with a mandatory minimum 25 years state prison. In the end, justice was done. And she'll spend the rest of her life? She will spend the rest of her life in prison. She's gone. She's really gone. And this is done. It had been two years. And it was finally a book closed. 
it was, we're done. She did it. Killer Cases, the podcast, is a production of the Law and Crime Network and Vault Studios. You can watch Killer Cases on the A&E Network and the True Crime Network. Refer to your local programming guide for full details. Brian Weiss, John Ford, and Will Johnson are executive producers with Vault Studios. Reed Redman and Will Johnson produced and edited the podcast. Killer Cases, the television series, is written and presented by me, Brian Ross, and produced and directed by Rhonda Schwartz. Executive producers are myself, Brian Ross, and Rhonda Schwartz with Ellsworth Productions, and Rachel Stockman and Dan Abrams with Law and Crime Productions. Also, thanks to producers Sam Kelly and Jennifer Tinter, and editors Danny Hilton and Nick Teodori. Killer Cases is produced in partnership with Cineflex Rights and True Crime Network. Thank you.